The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What makes Mike Florio the expert? You're about to find out. This is Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio on NBC Sports Radio. Well, we have arrived at the end of the road, five-plus years in. PFT Live, the radio show, concludes today. PFT Live, the TV show, continues. PFT Live, the podcast, continues. Other things will be happening. The show will continue to exist NBC Sports Radio is going away. That's why PFT Live, the radio show, is going away. And pardon me, if I engage in some rare navel-gazing, I don't like doing this. I don't have a rearview mirror. I go forward. I've just always been that way when it comes to this business I tripped into 20 years ago this June, technically. I launched PFT November of 2001, but I ended up writing for the now defunct NFLtalk.com June of 2000. So we're getting very, very close to the 20-year anniversary of me trying to act like I know what I'm doing. I have fooled many a people. It was back in 2014. We had just moved into this house. And as that year unfolded, At some point, I think early in football season, the possibility emerged for me to have a show on NBC Sports Radio. Now, NBC does not own or operate NBC Sports Radio. Westwood One owns and operates it. It's a joint venture, licensing agreement, I assume. I don't know a lot about the details between Westwood One and NBC Sports Radio, but my check for this show doesn't come from NBC. It comes from Westwood One. That's always been the case. So I was approached in 2014, NBC Sports Radio had been back on the air for a couple of years. There used to be an NBC Sports Radio. There wasn't. Westwood One brought it back. NBC thought it was a good idea. And someone, apparently after consuming one too many Moscow mules at lunch, decided it would be a good idea to give me a show. 
So we talked about it, negotiated it, hammered out a deal. And we started in 2015, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. Now, at the time, we had PFT Live as a digital show. So I already was doing something in that 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock window. This just gave it structure. And it's funny how you forget your day-to-day -day life as it adjusts and adapts and changes. But there was a time that I have no active recollection of where I would go up to my TV studio above my garage. PFT Live, the digital show, and PFT Live, the radio show, coincided for an hour. And then I would come down here and I would do the last two hours in my office where I have an ISDN box and soundproofing and it sounds like I have an actual radio studio and I don't. So that went on for all of 2015, late in 2015, sometime during football season. It was suggested that the show move from 12 to 3 to 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And I really did not want to do that. I remember that feeling, that pit of your stomach. I don't want to get up at 5 in the morning and do a three-hour show. I do not want to do it. 12 to 3 was perfect. I could get up around 7. I could work for several hours. I could then focus on the show and in the process of posting content to profootballtalk.com during the course of a morning, I would already have my prep in. You walk around with your prep when you do what we do constantly copy paste snarky comment as Chris Sims says you always know what's going on and by the time noon comes around you know where you go you know what to talk about you know what to do so I didn't want to do it and I thought about saying no look we have a deal we have a three-year deal for me to do 12 to 3 period and I don't know what clicked I don't know what flipped I don't know what made me say fine I'll be a good soldier I'll do six to nine. We amended the contract, three-year deal, amended to go from 12 to three to six to nine. And I remember asking for a few little things just to make it feel like I wasn't just being shoved around by some force outside of my existence telling me what I'm going to do when there's already a contract in place that tells me what I'm doing, 12 to three. I remember I used to have to do multiple spots per week with NBC Sports Radio affiliates. We adjusted that language so that wasn't hanging over me every week that I had to get so many of those in. So I at least got a little something out of it. I didn't ask for any more money. I just wanted a little something. And then I found out that they were going to re-air the show 6 to 9, 9 to 12. Hey, good. Double the exposure for the same effort. Of course, some, maybe some who choose to be represented by agents, I never have been, I figure that as a lawyer, I'm perfectly capable of screwing things up on my own. In theory, I should have gotten more money for having six hours of content made available to NBC Sports Radio, but no, nah, I'm fine. Good soldier, and we just keep trudging forward. It was early 2016 when we did an experiment. And I don't remember, here's the thing my approach is I don't push and politic for jobs. I just go work 
and I work as hard as I can and I create the best work product that I can and I assume that the right people will notice and that opportunities will emerge. I don't like to politic. I don't like because when you're in this business, you know the people who are constantly hustling. And and look, there's a there's a balance there. But there are too many people who are on the wrong side of it where they're constantly looking for something. Give me something. Give me something. I want this. I want that. And it's obvious they're posturing for something more than what they have. Just be happy with what you have. So that's always been my approach. And I don't know how I did enough to push buttons. And Al Michaels is the one who planted the seed. Because he'd come on the show more often when it was in the 12 to 3 window because that was 9 to 12 and still is 9 to 12 Pacific time. He said to me at one point, this should be on NBCSN instead of the college bass fishing championships. So I mentioned it to somebody and it was kind of like one thing led to another, one thing led to another. And when we went to the early window, they carved out an hour. It was an experiment for an hour, the eight to nine window. We did it from like right after the Super Bowl until the draft. And I thought that's all it was going to be. Okay, fine. We'll do that. We'll see how it goes. And then somebody liked it. And next thing you know, we got two hours in the morning. And that's the thing that lives on. It's kind of like a relay race. Like the radio show inadvertently got the TV show in the morning started. And now that show will continue. And Chris Sims is on four days a week. And we have Peter King and we have Big Cat. And that will continue. And that will actually be easier because we won't have this stupid radio clock. And I can call it a stupid radio clock because it's the last show and they can't cancel me. The radio clock is stupid. There's two hard breaks an hour. Nobody has two hard breaks an hour. That means you have to be done by a certain time, every hour, twice, not once, twice. I go on WFAM with Steve Summers at times. We go for 45 minutes. It's like, Steve, what in the hell? When we're done, I'm like, Steve, I, I need your, your radio clock. What in the hell? We're constantly thinking, I'm doing it now. It's 610. Oh, I'm going to start getting text messages. You got to go. You got to go. And folks are just doing their jobs because the ads have to run and we have to be back in time for the hard break. And it's a pain in the ass. So I won't miss that about it at all. The radio clock sucks. Specifically, the one that we use for this show sucks. Oh, it feels so good to say that. So I've been holding that in for five years. It sucks. The radio clock sucks. So we won't have that starting tomorrow. The TV show, you will notice it. You will notice it immediately. We won't have these stupid little stop and start segments like they used to do when Dan Patrick was on NBCSN because there's more radio breaks than there are TV breaks. You'll notice it right away. And the radio show will still be broadcast on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick's channel. Tune in has the radio show live. The podcast will be available. It's not even the radio show. I got to get used to that. It's the TV show. It will, but it will be on audio. So I'm still kind of technically accurate. I mean, kind of in a technical way, the radio show is an ending. It's just shortening by an hour. And I don't know why I'm complaining about it. I get to sleep longer, right? And I'm going to try to backfill the hour that you would listen to in the morning with a more regular PFTPM podcast. I stopped doing the PFTPM podcast as regularly once Westwood One contacted me four weeks ago out of the blue and informed me with no prior notice that there was even a deliberation that Westwood One was pulling the plug on NBC Sports Radio effective March 31, which caused me to fall out of my chair. 
And I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because this was pre-coronavirus pandemic when stuff that was ridiculously important to me has now faded into far less important because our main concern as a people is not getting COVID-19, protecting our family members, worrying about family members who may be living in large metropolitan areas who may have pre-existing health conditions that could make them compromised. And do we get them out? What do we do? And, you know, that, that has taken over precedence for all of us. But I will say this. I will say this. Before I shut up on the topic, this wasn't supposed to end until February of next year. I got the paperwork to prove it. And I've made it clear to the powers that be that I am willing to keep showing up every day and do this show and do this six to seven o'clock spot AM as committed by both sides for a three year, not two year, three year period that was the dovetail to the three year initial period that we did. That's a delicate way of saying, I still got a contract until next February and I've made it clear I'm still here. So there may be some issues that need to be resolved in a forum, not the radio at some point sooner rather than later. And we'll see how that goes. But that's why I was so stunned. Now, look, I knew that beyond next year's Super Bowl, which is how long the mutual commitment lasts. I knew that NBC Sports Radio probably was not going to survive. When we get to 2019, and the network is this show, a re-air of this show, nothing until the late afternoon, nothing after that, and then Rodney Harrison's show on the weekend, I had a feeling that there would not be another three-year deal that would kick in after next year's Super Bowl. So I kind of knew that when we get to the end of this three-year period, it's going to be time to do something else with this six to seven o'clock window and hope that the TV show continues. So that got accelerated unbeknownst to me and over my objection. And again, I'm being as delicate as I possibly can be, but the TV show continues. You can hear 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 211 and tune in. You can hear the podcast. And as I said, as of tomorrow, when the podcast for the afternoon show falls exclusively under the rubric of NBC, I'm going to try to discipline myself to do it more often, if for no reason other than to give you content you can consume during this window to the extent that you are used to consuming it. And I think it's critical at this time. And I was kind of hoping in a weird sort of way, and I didn't really push this. I was hoping that some way, somehow, there would be a change of heart, recognizing that people have routines and people need to stay in their routines. And it's a critical time for people to have a sense of normalcy in their lives. And we provide a distraction and a diversion. And I really didn't want this hour to go away. So I'm going to use that as the source of my attempt at having the discipline to do a PFTPM podcast more often than not in the afternoon, and then have the discipline not to keep talking and talking and talking for an hour and a half. That's the problem. Once I start it, I can't stop it. That's one of the reasons why I don't like starting it, 
because then that hour and a half is gone and I'm behind on my other work. Anyway, that's the extent of the nasal gazing, nasal gazing, or navel, na, na, navel gazing that I'm going to do. Stats has just texted me, pursuant to the radio clock that sucks, I need to be thinking about wrapping up. Otherwise, the next segment will be extremely short. So thank you for indulging me in this trip down memory lane, and I appreciate all of it. I don't have, I'm not going to do this when we're on TV. I wanted to do this now when it's just me and you. I don't want to pull Sims into this. It's not suited for the TV audience. I wanted to kind of think back on how we got to this point and where we go from here now. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for listening over the last five years. And I'm, I'm not, uh, the only reason I'm upset about it is there's a commitment that I've agreed to, to do this show until next February. And I think the show should still be on. And I've made that point extremely clear and again, that's all I'll say about that. I keep saying that's all I'll say about that. And then I say some more about it. Let me say one line. No, I'm not going to say that. Maybe I'll say it before the end of the hour. I'm not going to say what I really want to say. I don't know. Maybe I'll say it. What are they going to do? Cancel the show? More PFT Live right after this. 23 minutes after the hour. It's Pro Football Talk Live. Final radio show. Sort of. Heading over to TV in 40 minutes with Sims. He's still broadcasting from his home with chickens outside the window and a dog that is incredibly obedient and doesn't make a sound. I can't imagine what Macy would do if she was in the same room as me. I'll be doing... See, she's good about sleeping until 8.30, 9 a.m. By the time the show's over and I come back downstairs, she's up. I'll do radio segments from in here and periodically I'll get text messages from friends who heard them and heard her barking in the background. So that's always kind of fun. I just think that it look, I mean, I can't believe I went as long as I did without a dog. If you don't have a dog, I highly recommend a dog. All the stuff that I was afraid about, it, it, it's never happened. The dog's awesome. Now you have to keep the dog properly groomed and properly fed. I was worried about the dog, you know, pooping everywhere, but if you give it the food you're supposed to give it, it has a normal digestive system and it doesn't poop everywhere. That was one of my big concerns. The dog having horrible breath was one of my big concerns. If you give the dog the right dental items, the dog doesn't have horrible breath. If you take the dog to the groomer periodically, the dog isn't all, you know, nasty from rolling around in the mud. So anyway, I uh, highly recommend a dog. The Chiefs uh, don't even have enough cap space to buy one of their players a dog. $177 is all the Chiefs have. That's the official NFL Management Council number. Field Yates of ESPN got access to the whole list and posted them yesterday. $177. I've never seen, in all the years I've been doing this, a team with that little cap space. And for a team that presumably aspires to re-sign Patrick Mahomes at some point, you can't do it with $177 in cap space. Now, they have plenty of contracts that they can address. Sammy Watkins. He's got a $21 million cap number. If they would cut him or trade him, they would immediately free up $14 million. Just like that. And there's been speculation that he may be released he may be traded i think this is a guy that they hold on to 
through the draft to see if there's a team out there that is targeting a receiver they don't get, and they decide to bite the bullet and trade something for Sammy Watkins in the last year of his contract at $14 million. Frank Clark, who was acquired via trade last year, franchise tagged by Seattle, traded to the Kansas City Chiefs, first round and second round pick. He's got a $19.3 million cap number. That one can be adjusted very easily. He's got a $12 million salary. You convert $10 million of it to a guarantee over the next four years. And trust me on the math here, it creates $7.5 million in cap space for this year. But remember, anytime you do a restructuring like that, where you take salary or roster bonus from this year, and you can take salary and roster bonus from this year, like the Steelers did with Ben Roethlisberger a couple of weeks ago, you combine it, you give the player the minimum salary, you move the rest into a signing bonus, and it gets spread over the remainder of the deal. But those dollars go to future years. They don't disappear you got to pay the piper at some point. They could restructure Clark. They could restructure Tyron Matthew. They could do a long-term deal with Chris Jones, who's currently consuming over $16 million under the franchise tag. And typically, when you do a long-term deal with someone who's got a franchise tag number, that number goes down. So there are things they can do to create cap space to sign Patrick Mahomes. All is not lost here. But it is jarring to see how pressly how pressly tighted how tightly pressed boy we're having one hell of a last show how tightly pressed the Chiefs are against the salary cap as the 2020 offseason continues to unfold if you thought the CBA fight was over think again we'll talk about that next year on PFT Live 34 minutes after the hour Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live just exchanged farewell over the ISDN line to Art Martinez, who has been a faithful fixture on this program since really before I was in the 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern slot. And for him, that's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Pacific time. He finagled a dispensation from the California stay-at-home order to show up every morning, even with everything that's going on in California, and push the buttons and pull the levers and do whatever it is he does that allows a signal from West Virginia to be instantaneously transmitted to California for the final two hours of the program by way of Connecticut. And Art has been part of the morning show again as long as I have been. And it's just kind of strange how you talk to somebody, you deal with somebody every single day, and then all of a sudden you just don't anymore. So... Art, thanks for all your contributions, and uh, we wish Art all the best, and uh, we keep moving forward. On the final radio edition of PFT Live, you thought the CBA fight was done. It's not done. This thing popped up out of the blue yesterday. Eric Reed, and I love agitators. I love instigators. I love Woody Woodpecker. But here's the thing. If you instigate too much, if you agitate too much, or more accurately, if you choose a hill on which to die that does not have any foundation to it, it hurts your credibility. And for me, Eric Reed crossed the bridge when he made the ridiculous argument that he was being targeted for excessive PED tests. That was an implausible claim 
It was investigated. It was not substantiated. It's not something that is handled by the league or the union. There's an outside entity that is jointly appointed for this. It just, the, the facts didn't even bear out, as I understand it, the number of tests he claimed he had. So anytime Eric Reed claims something now, my first reaction is, oh God, here we go again. But yesterday, Eric Reed posted on social media a letter from his lawyers, Garagos and Garagos, to the NFL Players Association, demanding that the CBA be scrapped and a new vote be taken. Intriguing concept. Aggressive position. Now, the surprise was that they actually have something here. I don't think that it justifies ripping up the CBA and doing a revote. And frankly, if you do a revote, it's still going to pass. You can't let the offer that was accepted two weeks ago go away in these turbulent times. With each passing day, the owners, I think, would love to have the opportunity to say to the players, we'll reconvene next year. And we'll make you an offer that is suited to the overall economic circumstances based upon the aftermath of the coronavirus pandemic. But that is what is requested in this letter. Rip it up and revote. They think that it was close enough to justify another bite at the apple. Here's the reality. The CBA was dead. It was going to lose until the world changed three weeks ago tomorrow and the last burst of voting came in in favor of the CBA. So I don't even know why they're doing this. This is just, that's the thing. They have something here, and here's the argument. There was a change made from the version of the CBA that the players were given for voting and the final version of the CBA that has been put in place since the vote was finalized. And that shouldn't happen. Whatever the reason, whatever the explanation, the document that they voted on is the document that should be done, down to the letter, down to the punctuation. Everything should be identical. So there is an argument to be made that there's an irregularity here. And the irregularity comes in the provision regarding disability payments, and that's been controversial because it closes the loophole on double dipping. It's got offset language in there. And the claim is that the change made to the CBA when read alongside the disability policy makes a material change to eligibility and offsets, et cetera. And the union is looking into it. And I, look, I, I think the end result is yet you have to go back and adopt the language that the players voted on, whatever that language is. Now, was something nefarious happening? I have no idea. It doesn't look to me like it's not like it's whacking me over the head with a shovel that there's something there that it's like, oh, somebody was trying to get away with something. I, I but again, I. I start looking at those details and those and those you know pr- provisions and you have to cross-reference this and that's like eh. let's just see what the union says before we try to figure out how how deep this specific rabbit hole goes. But the the expectation that they're going to tear up the CBA and vote again is ridiculous. 
It's desperation. It's a Hail Mary pass. And this is a Hail Mary pass that I don't think you want to make. See, this is where people with agendas, and as best I can tell, Mark Garrigus's law firm wants to take over for Jeffrey Kessler as the primary outside counsel of the NFLPA. I mean, they emerge out of nowhere a few weeks ago with this lengthy explanation of why the CBA should be rejected. Well, and it was done, I'm told, pro bono, which means no money. Why would you do that unless you have some other play in mind? Eric Reed can pay the hourly rate. He may not be able to now. The Panthers have since released him, but he surely has enough money floating around. He could have paid the hourly rate. This isn't your typical pro bono client. This is the kind of pro bono work you do when you've got a bigger play in mind. And this is the kind of agitation that you do. See, this this is this is part of, I think, what will be an eventual effort to supplant Demora Smith as the NFLPA executive director whenever that effort comes. And if if the CBA had been voted down, it would have been a lot easier to pivot to the argument that D. Smith has to go because he's the one who negotiated this deal. He's recommending this deal. He's proud of this deal. And the players don't believe in the deal. It's time for the players to have somebody else leading the union. That would have been the argument that would have come up out of nowhere because nobody was saying that other than me while the voting was still pending. I was, my point was very simple. Hey, players, you got to realize if you vote no to this, you're voting. You're not, you're not giving the middle finger to the owners. You're giving the middle finger to the guy who's in charge of your union, which sparks a different conversation, which you then need to have after you vote it down. And I think the people who have that agenda to become the new NFLPA executive director, to become the new outside counsel to the NFLPA, those people were keeping their mouths shut about what the implications of a no vote were. The implication of a no vote is D's got to go. So since that didn't happen, there are still people who want D to go. And I look, I, I'm, I hate to be that cynical, but I understand how this works. And there's a lot of money at stake here. I think Mark Garrigus and his firm got enough of a taste of doing battle with the NFL in the Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed collusion grievances that they want to they keep going to that well. And they want to be on retainer to do it. And that's, it's fine to have that aspiration. And it's also fine for me to point out that that aspiration may be what's driving this grandstanding. And there's a lot of grandstanding in the letter. There's a lot of grandstanding. I mean, stupid little things like making a derisive comment about, oh, the CBA is tucked away and hidden in the corner of the NFLPA website. It's always been there. The link to the CBA has always been in that spot. It's not, it's not like the CBA used to be the first thing you saw as soon as you pull up the NFL website. The, the letters CBA in gigantic font are right there in your face, and they're unavoidable. The CBA comes up as a pop-up ad, and now all of a sudden, it's hidden. No, it's always been in that spot. Little things like that are what damage credibility for me. When you see the typical lawyer letter with all the rhetoric and the grandiose pronouncements, it's one thing to base the rhetoric and the grandiose pronouncements on supportable facts, but to make these suggestions, and there's a, there's, there's a way that lawyers do it. They can make accusations about anything. They can make anything sound like there's a conspiracy going on. But, but you got to have the facts to back it up, or people who know how those letters get written and know how those letters should be interpreted will just roll their eyes. And I did some eye rolling when I read that letter. And again, I came into it with the idea that Eric Reed has little credibility dating back to the PED testing. And I was 
hey, I was fully in support of Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick with the collusion claims. But sometimes you find a bridge too far. And he found the bridge too far with the PED claims. And now it's causing me to be skeptical of this effort to invalidate the CBA. I think they're jumping on a technicality to try to elevate their status and eventually become the new outside counsel to the NFLPA if and when there's an effort made to topple D. Smith when his contract is up. And I think it's up next year. And I am not going to be surprised to see a concerted effort by some in the union to have him replaced. And then when it's time to determine who the next outside counsel will be, it will be suggested that Mark Garrigus's firm be given an opportunity to bid on the job. I just, I see that unfolding before our very eyes. One good thing that's come out of the NFLPA, not, not that there are bad, I'm not saying that it's all bad. I'm just saying that, that this is a positive twist to what's going on in the NFL to counter the Eric Reed claim of uh, invalidating the CBA. The NFLPA's medical director was on Shefty's podcast and expressed optimism that the season will be played this year. He added that more will be known by late May or early June. Tom Mayer is the NFLPA medical director. He recognizes what I think anyone with any amount of common sense who follows the sport would recognize. There won't be OTAs. There won't be an off-season program. I think the NFL is deciding for now to focus exclusively on the draft, getting the draft ready to go, getting the draft properly executed, and then the day after the draft, all right, now what are we going to do about the OTAs? And I think not long after the draft, that's when the NFL will announce that there will be no off-season program. That's how I think that's going to unfold. My concern is that during this window where the NFL is focused on the draft, they are not doing what they need to do to prepare for every possible scenario. And, you know, this thing that I threw out there over the weekend about taking all the players, all the coaches, all the necessary personnel to some utopia that is coronavirus-free, I don't really think that's going to happen, and I don't think it should happen. I did that for one reason and one reason only. To try to shake the trees of the NFL so they start taking seriously the possibility they're going to have to come up with some alternative arrangement to get the season in you can't just sit and wait until june you got to be thinking now about when there's going to be an opportunity for normalcy to return and what the procedures will be for getting in training camp getting in a football season and also preparing for the possibility of a boomerang effect where some cities start to go up the curve again And we start getting more coronavirus cases because until there's a vaccine, that is going to happen. So the good news is Tom Mayer, the NFL PA medical director, has optimism. And he he said we have to scenario plan for disasters in terms of the way we did it at 9-11. The thing about 9-11, though, it was a discrete event. It required adjustment of the NFL's calendar, and it required then enhancement of security because in the aftermath of 9-11, we were all nervous about what was going to be next, and people were nervous about going to large gatherings. People were nervous about going to sporting events, and the NFL pivoted to addressing and enhancing security efforts. This is a different thing altogether. This is a slow-motion 
gradually unfolding disaster playing out in multiple different localities, different degrees at different times. How do you have a harmonized 32-team football league when you've got all these different circumstances? That's why they need to figure out how to have part of the league focus on the draft and part of the league doing the scenario planning, as Tom Mayer says, for this situation. Because based upon some people I've spoken to, and here comes that damn radio clock again, which sucks. Oh, it feels so good to say that. Based upon some people I've spoken to, I think the NFL's position is get through the draft and we'll worry about everything else later. That is a mistake. That is three weeks and two days that are being pissed away where important work can be done to begin planning for anything and everything. And you're going to wish you had those three weeks back. So NFL, get to work now on scenario planning. Work with the NFLPA now. Let other people deal with the draft. Find some people who are committed exclusively, exclusively to planning for next season. Got to go. More PFT Live. Well, it's the last radio segment, radio-only segment of PFT Live. We'll be on NBCSN for the final two hours. And as I have mentioned, we will continue on NBCSN as a TV show without the crappy, I almost said a different word, radio clock that I have been constrained by for the last five years. That's the only good news in all of this. Uh, the bad news is from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern, you got to find something else to listen to, and hopefully I will be giving you multiple editions of the PFTPM podcast every week that you can choose to listen to in the morning in place of that. I don't like what I have lined up for this segment of the radio hour, so I'm going to keep talking about the show. I was thinking on my way up here, the last time I'm rushing to get up here before the radio show comes back. And now that the radio breaks are shorter than they used to be, thank God, the only bad part is I really have to hustle to get up here to the TV studio. But on my way up today, I was thinking about our guests. And I have to say, as a general proposition, thank you to everyone who's come on the show as a guest, whether it's a member of the media, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, whether it's a draft prospect. There have been hundreds over the years. The one that stands out, and Stats reminded me of this earlier today with a comment that he added to the document that we share with various ideas and topics, etc. Rob Gronkowski, and I was on my mandatory summer vacation. They used to make me take time off. I wanted to do the show every day. It's just, it's, it's easy. It's fun. I like doing it. So I came back from vacation to do the show on the day that we had Rob Gronkowski. Because Rob Gronkowski was doing a book tour. And... Part of the quid pro quo for any of these interviews, whatever the person is plugging, you give them an opportunity to plug it. You have to do that. That's part of the etiquette, whether it's Old Spice, whether it's whoever, whatever it is. And I got a lot of Old Spice gear for for zealously plugging Old Spice over the years. So anyway, Gronk is on, and we have a good 15-minute conversation. At the end, I say, all right, Gronk, we've arrived at the point in the interview where it's time for you to tell us why we should go out and buy your book. And his response was, well, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Grog's book tour aimed at getting people to buy his book when given the direct question, why should someone buy your book? 
Gronk's response was, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's the one moment that I, I hope when uh, I'm, I'm on my deathbed and hopefully not anytime soon, I, uh, I will remember and I will smile. Um, so always have that. May not have a radio show anymore, but I'll have that. I got to thank Stats as well. You know, Stats has dealt with me for five years. Not many people who aren't related to me actually have had to deal with me for five years. The, the, uh, an- another one of them is, is, uh, is counting me down right now. She's dealt with me a lot. Like Kristen Coleman's dealt with me a lot longer than five years. I really feel bad for her. And this crappy radio clock has forced me to wrap it up. But Stats has been uh, a great producer of the program, and uh, he continues to produce the TV show, at least for now. And uh, we'll see how everything goes moving forward. We head over to NBCSN. We'll be back with more right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.